everybody. We uh, we have an awesome guest. Uh, this is episode ten. All episode right. ten here. We're cruising. Um, Eric Wolverton with Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Appreciate and, it. Yeah, we were we were just diving right into talking about all the different things that you're doing and collaborations that you have. And so I'm just so excited because you've um, you guys are very busy in the community. And yes, you're, you're doing a lot, but there's kind of a classic. Um, classic quandary with uh, with everything and I, I feel this way too sometimes when we assist with nonprofits is there's so much good happening but relative to the community size that we have not you know, more people I should say positively more people could be positively involved yes right? absolutely and uh, and so let's talk through maybe um, starting with you know helping people understand what habitat for humanity in Flagstaff is what are the projects that you're doing and and what are the gaps that Habitat is filling in our community. Yeah, absolutely. So Habitat for Humanity uh, here in Flagstaff was founded about 27 years ago. And in that time frame, we've built 22 homes um, for low to moderate income families. Uh, and, you know, our role is to get people into home ownership. It's kind of the end, if you will, of the housing continuum. If you look at homelessness to assistant rentals, and then you go to Habitat, and that's kind of where you're at the point where the family's able to save equity and therefore be financially self-sufficient. I love it. I love it. And, and so with, uh, with the 22 homes that you guys built, so those people like, bought those homes. Correct. Right? Yep. And, and now do they do, um, like, does Habitat do financing or mortgages? And yeah. so they specifically you know, help them carry financing or that or something of that nature? Yeah, so that's what the major savings uh, program with Habitat is that our homeowners, all of them, are financed through Habitat, and we provide a 0% interest mortgage on their home. So that's where the savings comes in. We take away that interest that the bank would normally get, which is an astronomical amount of money, usually about 90% of the value of the original purchase price of the home. So if you bought a home for 200000 I know that's not real here anymore, but if you bought a home for $200,000, if you paid an amortized uh, mortgage to a bank, you're going to give that bank about $180,000 as well on top. So Lots people don't think about that. Yeah. They think, no. oh, $200,000, I'll pay off $200,000 in 30 years. No, you're going to pay off $380,000 in yeah. 30 years. That's right. Yeah. Paying off aggressively, getting into shorter term mortgages always help hedge against that number because right. it is big. But that now... Um, and not that we're competing entities. Eric can't give 0% mortgages to everybody out there. I was like, <laughs> no, I can't. You'd be the uh, busiest man alive. Um, but, uh, but so people, specific people have to qualify, though. And what are those, yeah. what are those qualifications? So those are probably, you know, they're probably always shifting with area median income and that type of thing. But like currently for people possibly listening or thinking of, uh, of friends and family that could participate in the program, do you have uh, – just yeah, idea on those. Yeah, so we have two major criteria when we're selecting our homeowners, um, and so the first one is going to be income because again we're providing a mortgage. We want to ensure that we don't overburden that buyer with the mortgage and the value of that, but also we want to ensure that we're supporting low income families, and so our families need to be uh, total household incomes below eighty percent AMI to give you an idea of what that looks like. A family of three that would be making less than uh, sixty-eight thousand dollars for the entire family, okay. right? So we know we're hitting the mark when it comes to the families that are falling through the crack, the safety net, um, and so uh, we want to make sure that we're uh, mending the net, if you will, and sure. helping those families so, so that way. They can get into that home ownership model. Okay. Um, the second thing is going to be housing need. And so once we do our selection process and we've kind of looked at our applicants, we know, hey, this pool is okay on the financial end of things. Then our family selection committee of volunteers actually go in pairs and do site visits at where the people are living currently. And we okay. do this for two reasons. Because one, we want to see if that applicant respects the home that they're living in right now most likely a rental, right? And But the other one, and this is what happens more often, is is the house respecting the family? And so we see and we hear it um, from time to time, right? There's slumlords. There's landlords that don't care. There's landlords that just don't want to invest in their property. They just want to take the revenue that that property generates, and that's it. 
And so we have a lot of dilapidated homes. We have a lot of homes that have mold issues that aren't being remedied because these rental properties, unfortunately, from time to time, again, aren't being seen as a long-term investment from the owner's standpoint. Okay. Right? They're looking at it as, I want that instant gratification like all of us, you know, young generations are talking. But even the landlords are like, no, I want that rent payment. You know, I'm not worried about the mold in the bathroom. That's not my problem, even though holistically it is that person's problem. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And so, so you, um, and that's part of the screening process, right? So you're checking with people and checking on the home. Now, um, so you built, so in the 27 years, Habitat has done 22 homes. Correct. And, um, and outside of that, are there other programs or ways that Habitat's helping um, or is it just uh, just in the home building that you guys are really focused? So we're really just focused on the home building, but we're actually pivoting in a major way this past year into okay. a whole new model and okay. a whole new brand of Habitat Homes, which um, we have actually created right here in Flagstaff. Okay. And we're calling them starter homes. So, um, you know, being in the real estate world together, we know that for the last 30, 40 years, we stopped making smaller size homes. For some reason, in the 1990s, it became a norm to build 2,600 square foot homes, no matter what size your yeah. family is, yeah. right? And it, it, it was exacerbating the American dream. But our grandparents and our great-grandparents, you know, they were living in modest 700 to 1,000 square foot homes. Their kids, maybe three or four, were sharing a room. And that was normal and it was comfortable and it was all right. And a lot of times grandma and grandpa lived in that small home too. So we just have to change the methodology about knowing, hey, we need to first and foremost create that inventory again of smaller scale homes so that way we can get younger adults into home ownership rapidly. Yeah. You know, the big problem is as soon as we graduate high school, we're stuck with nothing but burdens. And by all means, when we're 18, 19 years old and leaving our parents' home, we're not adults. Nah. We're not nah. financially responsible. No. And we don't have the knowledge as to making the right decisions on financial um, opportunities that are going to have major impacts down the road. So, for instance, you know, immediately we graduate high school and we go right into student loan debt. Then we go right into credit card debt. And then we're going and paying rent, which means we're not saving anything, right? We're just digging a gigantic pit that is debt. And so how can we change that? And if we have starter homes where even young adults can say, hey, you know, for $1,000, I can own a home in Flagstaff and save equity, this changes my whole algorithm in life. I don't have to wait to save equity in my 30s or more likely in Flagstaff in my 40s and 50s, and hope that in just those two decades of owning, owning my home that I can actually pay down the mortgage, that I'll have that as a retirement plan. So we're really trying to change it with starter homes, and, and the, the biggest part isn't the scope and size of the home. The scope and size is based on the ability for us to afford to build more homes, because yeah. one home for one family each year, not solving a problem. We have to build more, but more importantly, we have to build our inventory that's going to serve multiple families with just one home. So with starter homes, it's more of an investment program and the way that we have it set up. And I love telling the numbers because this is a a game changer. We have created the revolution in affordable workforce housing um, just right here in Flagstaff. So picture this. With a starter home, all you have to do is come up with a down payment of $1,000 and you own that home. No first, no last, no pet deposit, $1,000. After that, your mortgage payments um, are going to be at or below $1,000 with 833 of those dollars going to principal. That 833 times 12 months turns into a $10,000 equity savings every year starting year one. And so Our homes are set up that you have to live in there a minimum of three years and a maximum 10. So instead of the forever home, bye-bye forever home. Starter home. It's about the starter home. Yeah. And so when that family wants to sell, 
and then take that equity uh, and cash it out, basically. They can only sell it back to Habitat. It's deed-restricted, where I'll refurbish and resell and start a new savings program for another low-income family. Okay. But that original family, if it's three years, I'm going to write them a check for $30,000. Five years, fifty grand. Ten years, $100,000, and I like to say a handshake, and you're out in the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're giving them $100,000 of their own personal wealth to do that with no restrictions. They can spend it on anything they want. They want to get a conventional home loan and stay here in Flagstaff? Please do. That's the whole point. Yeah. We want to retain people here in Flag, and we want to give them that opportunity to do so. If they want to start a small business in Flagstaff, go for it. You know, help our economy and be a part of that commerce. Or if you want to buy a conversion van and just travel around America, (laughs) do it. It's your wealth. And and that's the key component here. And what I love about this whole program is these are non-taxable solutions, right? So when we hear about down payment assistant programs through our municipalities, um, these are, those are being subsidized by our taxes. Yeah. And a lot of times we don't even see that money back. So, this is just simply using home ownership, equity building as a form of savings. Now, we've had to uh, transition to this because, you know, um, in our generation, Gen X, we were always told forever, don't rely on Social Security. You won't get it. So just a heads up as you're a kid, just yeah. know this is not <laughs> going to be a benefit for you. Yeah. 401ks seem to be disappearing. Pension plans are being compromised because of the cost of the pensions, especially now with our baby boomer population really into the retirement phase. And so what can we rely on, right? And so for us, it is building equity. That is the always been the safest savings account in America has been your mortgage. And so um, we want to just open that world to our low to moderate income families. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's been increasingly difficult as markets has been shifting. I mean, we even if you look at just past the last decade, you know, since the big uh, housing bubble and everything, it's it has been quite a roller coaster as economies and, you know, on this boom bust cycles of things and home ownership um, is is tricky. Yeah, right? it, it is super tricky. But as I hear you talking about that, I'm curious to get a get a feel for more for it. So, uh, is the same qualifications that exist for people to be buying homes that we talked about is then getting to be able to get into one of these homes? And I mean, how do you? Is it like a lottery system? It must be super difficult because I can imagine a lot of people just wanting to sign up. Yep. Um, is it like are your waiting lists just booming right now? And yeah, so. Um First and foremost, when we're looking to select a family, that's a really difficult and also important process and probably the most important process for Habitat. We want to make sure that we have an equitable process for people, and I don't mean the savings part, but a fair and balanced selection process. You know, us being the lender, we got to follow all of our equal opportunity laws. And so we want to ensure that those happen, and that's why... No paid staff from Habitat ever um, provide any of that service for family selection. We just utilize our volunteer board of directors, and then we utilize volunteers in the community, usually in the banking and financing department, because that's what we're focused on when we're reviewing these applications. Talking about the need. So we built our first home. It's going to be completed before the end of the year this year. Uh, and it's on Butler and Leary, just in Southside, so a beautiful location. Yeah. And um, we had over, in just a five-week, six-week period, we had over 650 families apply for this 500-square-foot home. Oh, my gosh, yeah, it's a tough job. Yeah, so, you know, like I've been telling everyone, here's the great news. We selected a family, but what do I And then more importantly, how is the community of Flagstaff going to direct me to communicate to the 649 people that were not selected? Yeah. And in the sense of that's where I think this, this whole new program is going is, is saying more, we need more opportunity. We do. And vastly. And what's really great about the starter home program is that a lot of people are seeing the positives again in this self wealth creation platform that we're 
getting a lot of donated land now towards us. I'm actually closing on a great donation of three acres from uh, vintage properties over at the Timber Sky neighborhood. Just those three acres, because again, of our small scale standalone homes, um, we'll be able to put 48 homes on that property. Wow. And those 48 homes, because we think the average starter home homeowner will be there for about four and a half years, that'll give them an opportunity to save $45,000 in their equity. Um, If that's the correct math, then we're going to be serving six to eight families over a 30-year time frame with one house. And and those families will save a cumulative $300,000 for one house. And so, but then an important piece on the back end of the math is, and we say these are, you know, tax-free solutions is because it's all, it's all charitable contribution, right? Correct. Yeah. And with our land. There's no bonds. There's no. No, no, it's, it's just uh, philanthropy. It's people saying, this is where I want to direct my donation, you know, which again is really great. You know, we look, a lot of people think that nonprofits are just going to, um, inherently be very liberal um, standing, you know, because we're here to serve the, you know, the common good. But to be honest with you, Habitat is uh, founded under Christian principles. And we have a lot of that conservative thought too, as long as well as our liberal thought. Um, But it's more of, we want to empower the individual to donate and direct their monies. And we really think that we speak to those values. Yeah. You know, and so for us, not only are we providing, and this is our model, we provide a hand up, not a handout. I love that. I love that so much. And that's where um, I think, you know, and it doesn't have to be a, um, as we get kind of into the philosophy of it, right? It doesn't have to be a political conversation at all so much no. as um, I think that balance, right? Of And I feel that so much when I, I you know, I've been involved in, in housing here for um, almost 14 years. And, and anytime that, you know, you know, our housing issue comes up in a Flagstaff, it's, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think there's too many people on opposite sides of things thinking like, oh, people just need to figure it out. I'm like, oh, it's super difficult. We need to help people figure out. But we also don't just want to be doling it out, right? And yep. so I love that mentality of saying, well, we're going to help, but you also need to meet us somewhere. Yeah, and part of that participation that we ask our homeowners um, to play in the Habitat family, if you will, is that they have to do sweat equity on their home or other Habitat homes, right? So they actually have to work and build their homes. Why? Because we want them to be a holistic homeowner. We want them to create a value of that home within their mind and their heart. So if you look at a rental property and if you look at, at... Families that unfortunately have lived in rentals for generations, they're used to someone taking care of them, right? Mm -hmm. So if the appliance goes out, who are they going to call? The landlord. But for a Habitat homeowner, if the appliance goes out, who are they going to call? They're not calling Habitat, right? They call the plumber. They call Home Depot, yeah, you know, or you get on YouTube. That's, <laughs> that's, right. that's, I had that's that. where I get most uh, of my training. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And even for small stuff, though, and I tell my kids, you know, because we're very much into, um, you know, renovating properties and getting our kids involved with that. And I just think, uh, you know, just basic skills. I think basic skills are so important. And yeah. I was telling them, like, hey, kids, if the garage door isn't closing, these are the sensors, right? And I've, I, I believe it or not. And like, you know, it, it's, it's, everyone just has their own experiences, but I've had tenants that are like, the garage door is not closing. I'm like, here's a YouTube video on how to adjust the sensor. And it works, you know? And so, yeah, it's that the basic things, right? That you yep. kind of take that ownership and accountability. Um, I love it. I love it. So what's, what's that sweat equity requirement look like? You have like a set hours or something or yeah. certain phases where you're like, Hey, you know, you're not going to, the house is not going to fall down if you participate in this part of the cycle or your plumbing's not going to go out? Well, first and foremost, we try to make it so um, the sweat equity hours that are needed to be accomplished um, can accommodate the family schedule. We're talking low-income sure. families. Yeah. Well, many of them are working. working two jobs, yeah. right? Yeah. Sometimes two jobs minimum. Um, so, you know, we're, we give a lot of leverage, but we do ask for them to provide 200 hours on okay. homes. Now, here's the fun part is uh, our starter homes, a small little segue, 
are now actually being built by uh, Coconino Community College home construction uh, management students. So, yeah, so that's super cool. Our community college is now building our homes here in Flagstaff, and they do it in a panelized system at their lab. Um, And then we have the capability to just get a flatbed truck, put the panels on there, and then erect the home in two days. Wow. Yep. And then we're able to finish it out in just a matter of months thereafter. So okay. now we can build faster too. Not only we've got to build more, but we got to build uh, faster and be, you know, efficient in that. Okay. And so um, what we're looking at doing is providing our future selected homeowners with a free tuition, so a scholarship, to participate at the CCC home construction program. Okay. So that way the homeowners are getting their hours in, but they're getting professional training and they're working right next to the students that are building their home or now their starter home. Wow. Right. And so when you go in, uh, the CCC hosted this wonderful event because the faculty and staff at CCC heard about this and said, we want to be involved. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, they did a, a fun Saturday volunteer activity where the students were actually the teachers teaching the volunteers how to build these panels. And it was so amazing to be able to see these not only just young individuals, but of, of all ages going in there and they learn the skills, but then they get to teach the skills. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And at the same time, the, the best part about it is uh, you see this this framed panel of a wall, and everybody at that event has signed it with well wishes for the family. I love it. Right. So now they're touching the mission. And as I tell all of those students that are going to be entering into our construction workforce, which is vastly needed, um, that even if they just nailed one nail into that uh, frame, yeah. when they drive by that home every day, they yeah. own a part of that home. Right. They're a piece of what made that happen in a reality. And so just that relationship alone um, at CCC, their student population just for that program increased year over year by over 500 percent. Wow. And why? Because now when people contact Eric because they want to learn how to swing a hammer, instead of me, you know, spending my valuable time trying to teach people swing hammers, I can actually get the professional to do it. Yeah. And I can direct them now, hey, join CCC for a few hundred dollars. It's almost as valuable as that for YouTube video, but more, right? <laughs> yeah, because you're yeah, not yeah, getting yeah, the 15-minute yeah. min- tutorial. You're getting the hands-on. Sure. This is how it works. Um, you know, my favorite thing with that event, too, was I was watching um, one, uh, one of the ladies at CCC, and she was pounding one of these long you know, nails into the frame, and... You know, no nail guns, hammer, old school. And sure enough, that nail's just bending like crazy. Oh, no. And But she just stuck with it, kept bending it back, and kept hammering. And when she was done, everybody, it was like a standing ovation. <laughs> and you could see yeah. her face went from total frustration over that nail to a huge, what I like to say, little league smile. Yeah, you know, yeah. She was just beaming because she you know, accomplish that task and would not allow herself to fail, you know, and that's, that's the ownership. That's the value that Habitat Homes bring to a community. I love it. And just, you know, I think there's so many, you know, and and you and I haven't spoken a ton, you know, full full disclaimer (laughs) to audience here. You know, I'm aware of Habitat. We've, we've uh, donated and, and been part of, uh, uh, or just very aware of what's going on, but uh, but to hear it, it's super exciting to me to just hear that's to me that's what a uh, a nonprofit needs to do is it's connecting community for a unified purpose. But with the community, then knowing as you described to me, it's it's super exciting to hear that then th- those members of the community participating are it seems like they're all very well aware mm-hmm. of the good that this is accomplishing. Of, yeah of that end goal of someone actually owning a home. It just is, is so powerful. I think for, you know, especially when you know, we were talking about kids earlier, right. And kids sometimes, you know, don't easily equate the, all the work they're going through to this end good that they're hopefully accomplishing of being a productive, you know, member of society. 
And then for those people in those construction programs to know like, hey, this is a skill set, this is a value, and this is going to give these folks that we're working with and teaching and training a place to live and have life. It's powerful. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a holistic circle, if you will. Yeah. Right? Because we have a major workforce issue, so we're addressing the workforce issue and we're graduating all of these now professionally trained um, construction workers. And I, I just... Because I'm in the world of construction, these general contractors are desperate for people. Um, it's not just restaurants that are struggling. for. It's every part of the work industry. And not just people, but good people. Good people, good yeah. People. <laughs> you know, I think many of us have said, I'll take a pulse at this point. Yeah. But, the, you know, the obvious point is, is what we want to do is we don't want the pulse. We want someone that's going to be contributing to whatever our job is and our mission is within that job um, and to be a productive person. Yeah. Um, you know, the last thing we want to do is, you know, hire somebody and then they silently quit or whatever that means. Yeah. Like there, <laughs> there's just so much um, change yeah. that's happening. And I think yeah. really it comes down to what we need is to um, encourage people to find what their passion is. Absolutely. Yeah, and then grow that passion, right? Because if we're not passionate about what we do day in and day out, we're not going to do a good job. No. So, um, and and not everybody has that opportunity. And don't get me wrong, sometimes life, family, lots of things can make it so you got to have the passionate job and you got to have the part-time job on top of it too because, well, this is Flagstaff and it's a hard town. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talk, let's, let's talk some numbers here. So as far as, so 27 years here in Flagstaff, 22 homes built, um, with this new model, I'm starting to get the feeling that this is going to allow you to scale much more quickly. I mean, you just got, you're closing on some new land. How many more homes do you think Habitat's going to be able to do next year? Well, that's a tough question because it comes down to money. Yeah. Right. And so in order for the starter home program to work, we have to have upfront investment and that's from philanthropy. So to be able to just engineer those three acres of land just to get the land prepared for the houses. Utilities and infrastructure. Yeah. We're talking two and a half million dollars and probably believe it or not that, you know, three acres is going to take at least, you know, about eight months to level out. And get all situated and ready to put up the homes. So I don't, yeah. I don't see starter homes going on that particular property into, until 2024. But the good news is the starter home on O'Leary and Butler and Southside is actually going to have a second starter home in the spring next year uh, next to it. And that's the other fun and great thing about starter homes. Because of the small size concept, we can fit more homes on smaller properties, but not squeeze them in and feel real dense yeah yeah right and so for this particular uh two homes we're working with the city of flagstaff land trust program and that particular property was just infill meaning it didn't have any major value because it was only five thousand square feet you couldn't put a single family home on it yeah well we just put two on it nice right and so that's utilizing that land to its fullest potential and we're really hoping because Habitat is fully aware and focused on um, equity, inclusion, and diversity that our starter home model is perfect for infill lots throughout our neighborhoods in Flagstaff because the one thing that we need to do is get rid of the NIMBY attitude, not in my backyard, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A lot of people, unfortunately, have this thought process that we're trying to house zombies, we're not, <laughs> you know, I don't understand why people are so scared that we're going to hurt their home values. What we want to do is we want to show neighborhoods and those living in neighborhoods that may be a little bit more affluent um, than others that, you know, we can put in a starter home and it's for workforce, right? Yeah. But our yeah. workforce, there's a lot of our workforce that make less than 80% average median income. And so if we can put a a teacher in the middle of a neighborhood and a starter home, I feel that that neighborhood is then going to be adopting that teacher holistically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is the kind of stuff that we need to do. We need to show that if you're in Ponderosa Trails, it's not just about $500,000 homes. It's also about opportunities to buy starter homes in that community for just a $1,000 down payment. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the hard part is, is I don't think Ponderosa Trails is even 500,000 anymore. <laughs> right. You know, that's the tricky part. Um, well, and, and, but it's a different mindset too, where I think a lot of people don't like the high density. Right. Um, like when we're talking about a lot of the, you know, more like a multi-level condo type um, density and traffic and all sorts of different things. So it's a little different take because it's not, doesn't sound like it's really that, right? Right. And that you're absolutely right. That's what creates the NIMBY attitude because to a be part a, of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the problem is, is when, whenever you put, um, a high density of the same uh, group of individuals, whether it's economic or what have you, you're going to cause problems. When you have shared walls, you're going to have shared issues. Yeah. Right. And so we've seen a lot of habitat models that do very large scale multifamily homes, like renovating a hotel and turning it into uh, livable suites. It exacerbates the problem. And so with starter homes, that's why when we designed this here in Flagstaff, our methodology was build them small so you naturally outgrow them and you want to sell. Yeah, yeah. Right? But so the also, square footage, sorry, real quick. On 500 this. square feet. 500 square feet. Yep, but that's with a full bath, full kitchen, and then a loft-style uh, bedroom, oh, and okay. then full living. Okay. But when you walk in the door, 27-foot ceilings immediately. So it feels huge yeah yeah yeah. but again it's made to grow 27 foot ceiling yeah it's just really really cool and i passed the one on at 66 and it it's got 27 foot ceiling yep (laughs) i gotta pass it again because it looked more normal than uh 27 it sounds like you're next to the climbing gym right there (laughs) that's awesome yeah super cool so there's been a lot of thoughtful design yeah well and and that's what's important. And as I was uh, alluding to, four private walls. Okay. Right? So your neighbor's not on top of you, you know. And I know for myself, um, I'm privileged enough that I own a single family residential home. I can't afford Flagstaff, but Mountain Air is a pretty mountain town. It's beautiful. Um, but uh, I have great value in that. Absolutely. You know, and and. Even though my neighbors, don't get me wrong, they can certainly show and prove that they're very close to my house and only about 10 feet on either side. But nonetheless, um, I still have that space, right? And they're not just right on top of me. Yeah. And so um, I I just think that, again, we're able to utilize density but not make people live on top of each other. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it speaks to a level of, like, sustainability, right, with that. In Well, you have to be careful because sustainability is another big function of starter homes. And so when we design this, again, since Habitat will holistically own these starter homes in one shape or form forever, we wanted to make sure that we're building them not to today's standards and certainly not yesterday's standards, but to tomorrow's standards. Okay. And so all of our starter homes, it is a model, sit- uh, model setup. But they are all engineered to be net zero homes. Okay. So no gas lines go to them. They're uh, 100% electrified. Okay. And then um, they have huge, long, sweeping roof lines heading south that allows uh, the solar, which we're going to put on every unit, okay, to actually um, over... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're putting back into the grid. Exactly. So, But they're putting more into the grid than they take. Yeah. And wow. so what's great about our starter home homeowners, when they're used to getting, uh, especially in the wintertime, a $200 gas bill, um, a $600 electric bill, um, you're talking huge expenses, right? That's not even part of the mortgage payment. And so now with starter homes, you're going to get a check from APS. Wow. And they do, <laughs> do they do that? I know it's different um, by county, but APS does uh, actually pay for... Correct. You put in? Wow. Yeah. So because the house is such a small scale and our HVAC system are at the top of the line right now that you can get, um, and the insulation factor, everything is so intense that, yeah, you're literally not going to write checks to your utilities. You're going to receive one. And 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 I don't want to call them tents because they're owners. The owners will get these checks. Yep. Even... Not habitat. Nope. And that's the beauty. Way. And so, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. you, you got to ask yourself, well, how does this work if it's going to be not a forever home? 
Um, a lot of people say, well, you know, do you have HOAs? Do you have fees and things like that? Like, um, is it the onus of the homeowner to keep the house upgraded? Because the majority of the time of sure. HOA fees are, you know, replace my roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah I want yeah, you yeah, to paint yeah, my yeah, siding. Yeah, exactly. We don't, um, we don't always want to get in HOAs if we don't have to. Okay. Um, and, but the good news is with our starter homes, Habitat is always going to be on the onus, meaning we'll always take care of the appliances. We'll always take care of the siding and the exterior paint and the roof and the solar, which is a huge part of the house. Right. Yeah. And so we're going to make sure that those things are taken care of because, again, we don't want the second generation starter home homeowner to um, have to take on the older appliances. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That creates a tricky problem for you. Yeah. But the good news is, is that most of those systems, you know, are set up with warranties of 20 years plus. Okay. Right. So we're not feeling like this is going to be a huge crunch to us. Okay. In the future. Gotcha. Okay. Now, but at the same so time. So when you check out at Home Depot, you're buying the warranty plan. Of course. <laughs> but gotcha. go, going back to keeping the yeah. onus on the homeowner, because again, this isn't a rental. Yeah. So when the homeowner wants to sell a starter home, then Habitat will go and do a, its own uh, audit, if you will, of the house. Okay. And we'll create a punch list of things that the homeowner should be able to fix if there are any. Right. Yeah. So if you got a hole in the drywall, YouTube it. Right. Yep. And but we'll tell them either you have the opportunity to fix these problems on your own and save money or I'm going to hire somebody and I'm going to make my life easy. So it might be yep. expensive Yep. and it's going to come out of your equity payout. Fair enough. Fair enough. And so, OK, so with all that that together, there's one more going in then on 66. Yep. Or Butler, I mean, Butler, Butler, Butler and O'Leary. But and O'Leary. Um, and is that it for 2023? Is this other land is getting developed or are there other Correct. projects going in? Okay. That's it And while we're developing that other large parcel. Okay. Now, we're also in conversations with some local school districts here in northern Arizona because they're having a major, major crunch with, um, one, recruiting and, more importantly, retaining their staff. Absolutely. You know, we've got a minimum wage that's going to 1680 in a couple of weeks here in Flagstaff, that's going to end up making our teachers who are on a state pay uh, range, making starting teachers, I should say, making only about $3,000 more than the students they're teaching if they if those students were full-time, right? So how is their value? You're like, there's yeah. probably not enough time in the day for us to go into a deep dive on the economics of that situation. That is intense. Right. Yeah, it's really yeah. hard. When, when, you, when we live in the great state of Arizona, that unfortunately is ranked 49th when it comes to the financial support that it provides our public schools. Ouch. We've got a problem. Absolutely. And the problem really comes down to communities, but more importantly, us parents ensuring that our kids do have the greatest opportunities for their education. Yeah. Um, and that goes all the way up into the superintendent's role, right? He wants the same thing for his students and, and providing that service for the parents of those students. And so they're looking outside the box. Um, they can't just say, I'm going to give you a pay raise because you're the most amazing teacher. They don't have that leverage. Yeah. But they have the leverage of land. And so they're looking at using some of their unused properties to then be able to host starter homes, and then okay. they'll be able to retain um, and also recruit teachers. Yeah. So right now, you know, we are, we're in talks. We're still working out the legal parameters of things, but we're trying to work with Flag Unified School District and Page Unified School District to, in a, if we can... Uh, massage that partnership out, we would be able to build about 60 homes for them. Okay. And that would just be for teachers and staff at the school. Okay. Right? So a huge, huge need for us. And then we have those, um, those two areas. Their municipalities are begging for starter homes for their police, their fire department, yeah. and their essential workers. Because, again, when they're recruiting someone from anywhere else in this country – they have to have, and I'm glad that they do, a very long dialogue of not, 
does this job look good to you? But do you know how expensive it is in Flagstaff? Well, it's across <laughs> the board. And even for, and that's, that's the, you know, there's a lot of beautiful, wonderful things happening in Flagstaff. And there's a lot of uh, problems is, is, and I call it a lot of times growing pains, right? This, this town is extremely attractive to a, a lot of demographics and, and that, that demand in this town is in large part what creates, you know, the costs and increase and the amount of people that want to get in here. And, you know, I, I dialogue back and forth with my wife and it's funny cause you know, she's, and she went to school here. So she's been here, oh gosh, um, close to like 18 years. It's crazy to say that. Um, and, uh, sorry, honey, I'm not dating you here, but, uh, so, um, so she's been here a very, very long time. And then, you know, we start to have certain sentiments of like, oh, we don't like how certain things are developing or doing. And, and then I'm like, but where do you, sh-? I, I always ask her, like, where do you close the door, honey? Yeah. You know, like, um, and, and it's, it's really hard then because we want to be an open and accepting community to a lot of different opportunities here. But it, it seems to me that the. Uh, or so where I was going with that too is that I even, I know even folks whether they're in you know W L Gore the hospital or even you know positions that might pay even higher than uh, an entry level teacher that's even a struggle yeah you know I have a good friend that's a surgeon that even said you know I'm not getting what I pictured mm-hmm. <laughs> you know with graduating med school here in Flagstaff versus what I get elsewhere it's it's everyone's having to to recalibrate a little bit but it seems to me that so is it a correct assumption that the the program is only running as fast as it can get funding right now then, right? Exactly. It really comes down to the money. You know, my uh, talking point right now is that we've secured enough land um, where we could build 100 homes tomorrow. $15 million will do it. $15 million for 100 homes when the average cost right now is around $600,000, $650,000 per unit. Great return on investment. Sure. Um, so... Now I get to do my really hard work. Um, land was the was definitely a difficult yeah, that, part. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> That's a big piece of the equation. Um, but now it's really going after individual donors that um, have the means and the ability to give, um, but also obviously large philanthropic foundations. Yeah. Well, now, and so does this Habitat, it, it, do they specifically stay, when I, when you mentioned like, uh, te- housing for teachers and, like even on those programs, they wouldn't. You, you guys specifically do not work with um, like state funded grants or any of that type of monies, or or would those programs maybe include some of that? Because I'm wondering why was why wouldn't the state or other other larger entities help with that problem? So you know we, we certainly do reach out and uh, apply for those types of funds, uh, but you know when you're looking at governmental funds, they come with an incredible amount of red tape because for good reason, we as taxpayers want transparency. Right. Transparency costs a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and when you're talking about the reporting that goes into it, you almost have to hire a part time staff just to do that. Okay. Um, and so a lot of times we are mostly reliant on um, those individual uh, contributors. And so, um, yes, there are there are opportunities for government funding to support us. But the other thing, too, that I look at is. Government isn't our solution for everything, as as I mentioned, you know, um, we shouldn't always be leaning on them to create our solutions. Um, Again, as a community, you know, we I think and and I still feel that there's great value that we can holistically come together and say, hey, here's a solution. And if it's going to cost me, you know, thirty dollars a month um, to support that solution. That's less than a meal you know, going out to dinner right now. Yeah. That's about half of a dinner bill. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so if people can find the ability to be able to make those kind of sacrifices, then I, I do believe that, again, holistically, we can make this all happen. Yeah, yeah, no. And I and I love, I think that there is so much, or there's so much value to that where, um, you know, we've always, uh, in, from the business standpoint, skin in the game. Yes. Right? I've always believed in skin in the game. I think it's, it's if I was, I look, as a parent to try and teach my kids that skin in the game concept. And then you have, um, you know, community colleges helping these homeowners. You have these homeowners working on their homes. There's all this skin in the game. Right. And then from a standpoint of us as a community saying, Hey, if we want these solutions, we also need to put some skin in the game. Yes. Right. And, and help towards that. Can't just expect other people, um, or on broader scales to be fixing these issues. Um, but, and so is it just a matter 
Now, I know is there's some cool things that we were talking about of ways that you, you know, as a nonprofit guy, get creative because mm-hmm. we're, you know, everyone's busy. I think that's the biggest problem in life when we talk about, you know, so many fantastic things going on. I think, you know, and I'm guilty of it just hopefully as much as everyone else that, you know, we just get so busy um, in, in our lives and different things going on and different priorities. But there are some cool ways that you've set up to give. I mean, one of the, you've uh, told me about, uh, or I'm very aware of your uh, affiliation with realty executives, that those agents donate their um, automatic, right? It's an automatic deduction on their commissions that goes to Habitat for Humanity. Yep. So that's super, super cool. What are some of the other ways uh, that you've created to for people to give and to keep top of mind on that? Yeah, so uh, just real quick to expand on our partnership with realty executives. You know, what's really fascinating, uh, we call it the Realtors Initiative. And we started this about eight years ago. Um, it's fantastic because it allows agents to be able to give to Habitat, but seamlessly. So a lot of, a lot of us have heard of the United Way workforce, um, uh, ways to contribute to United Way through your payroll deduction. Yeah. Well, realtors don't get payroll. <laughs> no, right? nope. no, they get commission, but their brokerage, they basically just sign a form every year with instructions that say, hey, anytime that I'm closing on a property, please take this much from my commission and direct it towards Habitat. So it's a seamless transaction. Um, they don't feel it. And then um, it's passive income for Habitat. So I'm thrilled. Yeah. Uh, and just those small contributions, usually around fifty to one hundred dollars per transaction, is um, what they give, which is a very small percentage of the commission, sure. but a great percentage for us because again, cumulative dollars. We uh, this past year, two thousand twenty-two, uh, realty executives again just through these small contributions throughout the year have totaled over seventeen thousand dollars in gifts. Wow. That's all it takes. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if everybody just was able to participate in one shape or form, whatever that value may be, yeah. then I, I really feel like we can take that $15 million and make it not feel so huge. Um, yeah. And so, you know, other ways that people can give, obviously, they can just simply go to our website, uh, habitatflagstaff.org, and make a contribution there. But... Um, we we have a campaign that we run every year when we're building our home called um, sponsor a stud. So oh, okay, and <laughs> now we, I think we know what we're talking about, yeah. and it's yes. not it's not good looking guys. <laughs> no, um, but it's when we have that opportunity where we can bring volunteers or just people that want to give and allow them to sign you know that framing wall for the future homeowner with well wishes. You know that really brings in the ownership from the philanthropic side of things, from that donor standpoint, they can say, hey, I didn't just write a check because that's easy to do. We can all do that. But I got to touch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then, therefore, every time they drive by that starter home, they own a part of that starter home, and they know they own part of that starter home. Yeah. So it's always always creating that value. Well, and, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm, – it's awesome to hear about this as far as, you know, I've clicked on a few things and try to read a few things of what you guys are doing on it, but just to hear all the different ways that you are tying that to community. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's, it, it means so much more than someone just giving the check to mm-hmm. then be involved. And it's actually one of the things that I early on in my career and I found that, uh, we would get, um, yeah, certain times of seasons, especially too, there's just like a billion different directions coming at you for sponsorships and donations and different things. And so, um, and, and, uh, and I like I'd advise most people to do is much like you were starting to say at the very first is do what you're passionate about, right? Yeah. Whether it's in work and life, but also get behind these organizations that you're donating to and not just with the money, right? Because then what happens there is when you have that skin in the game, that sweat equity, and you are there in the trenches helping people out, putting the studs in the house, you're going to go get your friends. Yes. And you're gonna get, and they're going to get their friends. And that's what builds a movement, right? That's what builds change. Because one home a year, you know, in 22 homes over 27 years, I'm excited to see the direction that you're going and saying, we, we have to accelerate this, right? Yeah. Because the home prices and the costs and, and this solution, you know, it needs to be here today. Yeah, and, and we're looking at these 100 homes that we now have the ability to build um, in a five-year approach. So like okay. I said, it, we're going to have to have a year of developing lands yep. and putting in that infrastructure. 
But then we have four years of major, major construction and growth. And that will be how many units again on that? Uh, on the three acres, yeah. it will be 48 units. FUSD right now, we're toying with the idea of about an acre of land for 12. And then up at Page, this one's really fun and unique. Um, they're, they want to utilize a uh, old baseball field on their campus that is no longer being used. And so two and a half acres to put in 40 homes there. Wow. How long would, yeah, right, I know there's lots of pieces to this puzzle, yep. but that, I mean, ultimately, if you said over the next five to 10 years that you're doing like a hundred units yeah, where you did 22 in the last 27, we're talking about exponentially accelerating this. Yes. And it has to happen, right? Yeah. We, we have to react to what's happening right now. Um, and, you know, we also know um, everybody in the housing sector that this is kind of our time. Right. Yeah. So with the big problem of workforce housing, there's much more um, direction towards, hey, I'm going to contribute to uh, affordable workforce housing because I need somebody to work for me. Yeah. No, <laughs> and it's, it's um, it blows my mind, too. And I, I am no, you know, I, I got four kids under the age of 10 years old. So I'm, I, I copped out the card of just I'm a busy guy, but so, but I think about these things sometimes on, uh, so just, just me thinking about these things, like I should be much more involved and all right, I'll guilt trip myself on that to some extent, but you start thinking about the secondary and tertiary impacts. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, uh, I think we as you know, we can't solve the world's problems right now, but we as a Flagstaff community and even just talking about housing, like we have a, we have to start thinking down those paths. Right. Like you're saying from that business owner, then to realize like, all right, maybe I need to start donating a little bit to Habitat or, or giving a little bit in little places. And it's going to make a difference somewhere to just say we, we have to start solving some of these problems somewhere. Right. However, little amount or little. And I'm not, this isn't a bit just a massive solicitation for Habitat <laughs> for Humanity, but I'm super excited about it. And I'm just talking with you about it today that I think that. Yeah, we, all these things are connected, mm-hmm. you know, not only the, and, and it was one moment and I've said it here, I think once on the podcast here is where, I mean, we were just with the busyness of kids and family. And then all of a sudden we hit these 2% interest rates the last two years. So it was just like the activity in the market was just enormous and we were just trying to keep up. And then it, um, and it hit me like last fall. So about a year ago. And I thought, man, like I knew this town was expensive, but I was uh, in, and I knew, like, raising kids here, you know, that there's a, a smaller economy, didn't know if they'd stay and things. But then it really hit me, like, who are my kids going to be able to go to high school with? Right. Are they who are, are they going to be able to even touch this town? And so there's, you know, th- these are big questions that, unfortunately, myself or Habitat, we can't entirely solve. But, but it's a matter, I think, of starting to figure out there somewhere that we have to, you know, we have to figure out how to not just have this be a millionaire, billionaire town. Yep. Right. That we need. Uh, we like that diversity of community mm-hmm. and we need to contribute to that diversity of community. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. I've been living in Flagstaff now for 25 years. And so when we were creating the starter home methodology, um, a part of that was myself asking what you were just stating. And um, in those 25 years, I've had so many friends leave Flagstaff and not on their own accord. It's because they're financially forced out. Yeah. And so when you mentioned about your kids, now my 12-year-old is telling me all the time, hey, I just made friends with so-and-so a week later. Hey, so-and-so is moving. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so even even in our young generations, very young generations, they're not even able to have that community feel that we had um, the privilege of having. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I promise that wasn't a burp. Yeah. So, um, but... Uh, you know, that's why we have to get back to old school, if you will. Yeah. Right. And the other thing, too, that I love about um, starter homes is I'm hoping that it creates conversation for other housing authority uh, organizations that are trying to support the continuum of care, you know, for homeless all the way up to home ownership to create uh, a shared equity model. Yeah. Right. In order to move people out of these different uh, segments, so homelessness, um, assistance and rentals, we have to create a forced savings platform. Habitat has figured that out through equity. Yeah. Now we're just hoping that these other folks will be able to do the same because as we're seeing larger municipalities, 
Um, and it's starting to grow here in Flagstaff, too, in terms of our homeless population. And it's really funny to me that a lot of the media um, or even friends and individuals are just like, wow, where did all these homeless people come from? They just showed up, right? Well, no, that's not the point. That's not the case. They've actually been in the waiting line to get into the continuum of care to get the, um, the support from their community, but it's backlogged. And it's been backlogged because it, there's no way to allow people to save money to graduate out of those systems. Yeah. Right. And so if you think about a, a rental property with um, just a normal, normal person that owns the building, they want their perfect tenant is the one that doesn't call and the one that lives there for 10 years. Yeah. Right? Yep. Perfect tenant. Yep. Way to go. You paid well, 30% of my and mortgage. pays on time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you want. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. Unfortunately, our affordable housing programs want the same thing. Mm. And then that means that they're not focused enough, I believe, my personal opinion, on graduating people out of those systems. Yeah. And so yeah. if we want people to not live on the street, if we want to go down to Phoenix and not see on every single overpass an, a, a huge congregation of homeless folks, then we need to be able to allow people to filter into the programs that already exist. That means we need to graduate people out. Yeah. Um, and that's why I really love that starter home methodology because what the argument I make is, God forbid that one of us finds ourselves in a huge con- quandary, which can happen. Um, a million Americans every year file for bankruptcy every year mm. only because of medical debt. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah. And so let's say that we're one of those folks and things got even worse than bankruptcy and we find ourselves in a homeless shelter. So the good news is shelter services has a great program, a good transitional housing uh, methodology for two years. But they need to have that savings program so that way that person or that family can save the very small $1,000 down payment for Habitat. And then they can get into a starter home. And so even though that individual may have uh, fallen on really hard times in just five years, at least we'll get them to 30000 in their account, right? And yeah. so we're making the changes. Um, and that's also what is creating um, more equitability, if you will, and not just in terms of savings, but allowing everybody to have a more equitable standing uh, point because with starter homes, you're creating wealth. Yeah. Um, And the other thing that I'm really excited for with starter homes is we can't promote this per se um, because of our equal housing um, affiliation, but I really want to see a lot of first-generation homeowners applying for starter homes. Because like 30 years ago, when we put a lot of emphasis on first-generation college students, it's changed dramatically. And in the positive light that everybody said that it would. So now those first-generation college students have had their kids. They can look up to mom, dad, or both and say, that's my path. They've already created it for me. It looks normal. That's where I'm going to go. Now we need first-generation homeowners. So that way those children see their parents and say, homeownership is the real thing. It's normal. It's what's what we do. Yep. Instead of right now, impoverished families and their children see it's a rental. It's run down. It is what it is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I think overall it's maybe just a mentality of everyone, you know, across the board because I think it's, it's empowering. We know everyone has a level up, mm-hmm. right? And, and that goes from the, like you said, from the homelessness all the way to leveling up into that homeownership and then on to the next level of then actually taking that money, starting businesses, owning their, you know, um, their next home, you know, and, uh, and, and so it's all that level up and within even that philanthropist right now, or that person that needs to consider (laughs) being a little bit more involved in philanthropy and knowing that that's a level up in, in that growth cycle that, um, that I just think that um, that people need to understand that there's a better way, 
right? right? Like you're saying for those, for those folks and it's equations in life. And if we just get stuck and thinking this is it, right. And even for that, you know, and, and so I, you know, going to speaking to those uh, folks that just think, Hey, I'm successful, right? I have my house, I have my, my business, my paycheck, whatever life is good to realize that there's actually in this book I'm reading, um, I'll get through it at some point in time. I've referenced it before, but it, it, it calls it the second mountain mm-hmm. to realize that there's, there's actually more meaning and purpose. And so even for those folks to realize you know, we can help other people on this path. Right. And that's even more fulfilling than you just sitting there being on it. Exactly. You know, it's really kind of funny on a personal level. I remember um, I've been with Habitat for the past 10 years, but I took a small little break so that way I, I could um, take advantage of an opportunity to fulfill one of my goals, and that was to work for a public radio. Okay. And uh, But what I found out was, um, one that wonderful radio station really didn't need my help. Okay. They were already doing quite well on their own. Yeah. And I found myself to be incredibly bored. Okay. Um, and really, really depressed. Okay. And just through boredom. And then thankfully, um, everything prevailed where I was able to come back to Habitat three years later. And, um, you know, now I've been back for four years creating this crazy program that just has so much um, steam and, and, and potential behind it. And everybody asks, you know, now you're going crazy. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is called good stress. Yeah. This is the kind of stress that makes me want to get up every day and makes me want to do this kind of work. Um, it's exhausting. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine writing letters, making phone calls to these uh, families that don't get selected for a Habitat home. Oh yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's emotionally draining. Yeah, but I'll tell you what: when I have the uh, unfortunately rare, but hopefully not rare into the future, opportunities of doing our publisher's clearinghouse video and announcing to um, a selected homeowner that they got picked, and seeing that reaction obviously makes it all worthwhile. So it's kind of like having a kid, you know. <laughs> Best um, and worst thing you'll ever do to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> as long as they're cute and say I love you, we're going to yeah. keep them forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome, Eric. Well, we've, we've uh, we spun out of just over an hour here already to where um, I think, you know, it's super exciting. I think people just need to jump on. Um, we'll post links. Yeah. To your site here um, below, other places that they can find you that you guys are really active on social or so? Yeah, so we're very uh, active on social media. We got the Habitat for Humanity of Northern Arizona page. We also have the Flagstaff Habitat Restore page. And so for those folks that are interested in donating in another way other than the check, if you've got lightly used furniture, appliances, what have you, and you're just upgrading, well, Let's find a really, really good home for that stuff. And we do pickups for free. So you can just go to our website, habitatflagstaff.org, and you can even schedule your free donation pickup from Habitat. um, And those monies will go right into building our starter homes. That's awesome. And then the free pickup stuff, we used that before. That's nice. (laughs) Uh, Because some of that stuff's big. Um, And then... It's coming, you know, I know you and I, well, you're not a CPA, right? So no. Now there are some CPAs, <laughs> but there is um, Arizona tax credit, right? That's right. Yeah, the charitable tax credit. Yeah. We are uh, under that umbrella. So individuals can make gifts up to $400. Um, and uh, basically when they file their taxes in 2023 for the 22 year, uh, if they have a large enough tax liability with their state taxes, I want to make that clear, um, then they can make that gift to Habitat, and that will offset those costs to the state. So it's a dollar-for-dollar dollar yep. credit, right? So yeah. you write the check for 400 you get um, the $400 back when you file your taxes. I will put in the asterisk because we always cover our butts. <laughs> make sure you talk to that trained CPA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, talk to the licensed CPA. But, yeah, it, you know, it just when you do have a tax liability, and the way I always see that um, is that it's a matter of use – Either saying, all right, government, I'm, I'm paying you my tax bill, so you direct the funds. Or, hey, I owe, and I'm going to direct the funds. Right. So we talked about that earlier, where a lot of people want to know where their tax dollars are going. Yep. Right? So the tax credit, the school tax credit, um, there's, a, there's quite a few tax credits that you can utilize to redirect your money. And um, I'm glad that you mentioned that, because if just the Flagstaff community that's earning money 
paying that those taxes to the state, if everybody contributed their four hundred, we would have sixteen million dollars annually redirected to Flagstaff. Now we have a coalition of all of the nonprofits that follow or fall underneath the charitable tax credit umbrella, and and we collaborate very very well. Uh, and so in that shared resource, we found last year we had a record amount of tax credits going to Flagstaff um, of about $2.5 million. Oh, gosh, which sounds great, but it's so short of what it could be. Exactly. So the point is is that I would say probably there's a very good likelihood that if you're listening right now, you haven't taken advantage of it. And the easiest way to take advantage of it, because it can be a little confusing, taxes are meant to be that way, I think. Um, (laughs) So... Just go to your tax professional, and when they're filing your taxes, before you sign, say, oh, I heard about these credits. Just yep. ask the question. Yep. And at least then that professional can tell you, hey, yeah, you know, um, if you've got kiddos, you can do the school tax credit. You know, you can do the charitable tax credit, the foster care tax credit. There's just a lot of opportunities out there. And way to go, state of Arizona, you know. Sure. For the great state of Maricopa to say, hey, it's okay for Flagstaff and its citizens to redirect their money. I love it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome, Eric. Well, hopefully there's going to be an awesome 2023 for you, and hopefully we can accelerate some of that home growth. Yeah, no doubt. Um, But yeah, we'll look forward to good things coming from Habitat. Appreciate it, Chris. 